This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome, everybody, to Noon on Tuesday. I'm your host, Gina, and I'm really excited today because I'm going to step back into time. 15 years ago, when we first wanted to open Venisimo Cheese, there really, as I recall, was one book out there to help me learn about cheese. That was called The Cheese Primer. And I was like, I I had to read that book from cover to cover because this was my source for cheese information. Well, all that has changed. And one big reason for that is our guest today, Laura Werlin. She is one of the country's foremost authorities on cheese, a James Beard award-winning author of six books on the subject. I needed these six books, Laura, way back then. Welcome. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah, well, that's why I wrote them. I needed them, too. You needed them, too. So this is so interesting. You did because, yeah, it's amazing to me now that you have six. We'll we'll go through all those. But you had the same experience, right? There really wasn't. you know. I mean, yeah. I, so I wrote them because, well, I wrote the first one, um, the new American cheese for a, a variety of reasons. One was, yes, my love of cheese, but I assumed the, the I, I kind of wore the hat of, of the every person because I didn't know anything about cheese other than that. I loved it. And, you know, so I kind of set out to answer my own cheese questions and because I figured that those were the questions that other people had as well. And, you know, my focus on American cheese was just a passion that I had for what seemed to be, you know, emerging on the scene where I live in Northern California, mm-hmm. which were some great cheese makers, Calgo Creamery and some others that are now, you know, known and beloved. And, um, and so I thought, you know, if this is happening here, maybe it's happening elsewhere too around the country. And so I kind of set my sights on, um, the, the cheese world beyond California, well, in addition to California, I should say. Mm-hmm. And um, lo and behold, it was. And that set me on my path. That set it on the path. That's so interesting, Laura. So your background, is it was it chef? Take us even way back. What was yeah, it, the no. love of food and then the love for cheese specifically? Yeah, no, I have absolutely no reason that I would have written that book. Um, <laughs> Other than the love for cheese. No, I was in television news for, uh, well, since college. Ah. And and that was my love and my passion, and that's what I did. And I did that in um, Southern California as well as in San Francisco, as well as in Bakersfield, and uh, which is really where I cut my teeth. Ah. And, and, uh, but all along, I mean, I was raised in a food-oriented family. My mom was a great cook. I, you know, I, I learned to cook at her side, and I loved it. Uh, and so... That was always part of me, and uh, even when I would travel, I wrote diaries, travel diaries, but really they were food diaries. Food diaries, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the the, the Eiffel Tower took second fiddle to the cheese (laughs) course, you know. I like your thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you can relate. And so, um, anyway, so that, uh, then I decided I'd had enough of TV news. It's, you know, it was a lot of, uh, I wanted a deadline that was beyond five o'clock that day, so... Uh, so I decided I wanted to become a food writer and really, really shortly after that, I set my sights on, on cheese because that was the thing I just loved. Oh, that's really, really great, Laura. And I agree with you. It's something that I've fallen in love with and you just had to follow it. Write your own because you couldn't find information. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, it wasn't that I was, I didn't start looking for information about cheese actually. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I just 
didn't really have the answers at my own fingertips, or I really just, you know, this was pre-internet too, or at least the way we use it today. And so, because this was 1999 Crazy. that I started writing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, all of my, um, my, you know, sort of research was done by phone and by tasting, you know, wow. whatever I could find locally. And luckily at the time I lived in Berkeley where there were, uh, there were really good cheese stores. And so I had access to cheeses that a lot of people probably didn't. And that helped my research too. Sure. But um, but really, it was just learn by tasting, which I still encourage people to do. All the Googling in the world is not going to tell you, uh, you know, what you're tasting. Right. So it's like go, it's going to shops like Venissimo and <laughs> tasting yes, that you're really going to get educated. Yeah, <laughs> right. pretty much. Yeah. It's the truth, though, too, Laura. I was thinking the same thing. It's, you know, you can read about uh, the nuances of Gruyere or... Um, Anything like that, or the how the, the melt in your mouth texture of a, a brie fermier, but until you taste it, no way, right? Yeah. And, well, tasting it and tasting it with the with the label or with the shelf talker or whatever mm-hmm. it is, right there next to it, because you know I know that everybody says, "Oh, I had a cheese, but I don't remember what it was called," <laughs> and and that same with wine. You know, it's very hard to remember, and unless you're really good about keeping notes on your phone or whatever it might be, then you're probably not going to remember. But at least if you're at a cheese store and you, and you taste the cheese and you see the name of it right next to that taste, you have a better chance of remembering it if you, if you don't write it down than if you're just trying to remember because it was on a cheese plate that you had someplace else. Right. True, true. And uh, yeah, now it's a little easier with a, like, let's say your smartphone, you can take a picture of it, you can make a note, this is what I like. Um, but yeah, back then, there wasn't that option. <laughs> no, no, when I, no that, that's right. So when I first started writing uh, about cheese, it really was my own experience. And then I would gather people at, to my house and ask them to taste with me, you know, so that I could hear their perceptions. Uh, and that was actually particularly true when I wrote my cheese and wine book. But even early on, uh, I did that. And In part, it was because, and I've discovered that this is true for lots of people, I didn't really trust my own palate. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to love something like cheese. It's another thing to feel confident about it or about your taste or about, in my case, writing about it, which was really very presumptuous on my part, (laughs) in fact. But it was, um, I just, there was really no stopping me because of my passion for it. And yeah. as I said, for particularly for American cheese. And, and so I kind of didn't, I didn't, I mean, I cared what people thought, but I kind of didn't because I, it was most important to me to speak like the consumer I was and remain, sure. frankly, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, um, and make cheese accessible for all. Yeah. Right. That's so cool. Um, and with the American cheeses growing, I mean, your timing was perfect, too. The whole American cheese industry and has grown tremendously, right? I mean, you're in the Mecca, too, Northern California, right? You're so lucky to have the cheese make so many cheesemakers nearby, so yeah. many resources, right? And then the wine with it, Um Gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, in that sense, you know, we all started our education or not we all, but many of us started our education about cheese around the age of 21 when we could drink and perhaps before that, <laughs> right. but that wouldn't have been me, of course. And uh, <laughs> your first wine and cheese party. Uh, can you remember? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, you just, you just have, to, I mean, it was my, I, I was a student at Berkeley and my favorite thing to do was to go up to the Napa Valley and taste wine and bring a picnic. And, you know, that was what we did. 
And so, you know, that was, I was lucky to have the proximity to wine country like I did and and continue to have. So that, that certainly helped. But, uh, but in terms of the Renaissance or really the revolution of American cheese Mm -hmm. in, you know, or the, the rebirth really, uh, that began around, you know, the late nineties or so that really was, um, that was sort of in my case, because my job in TV news was basically to anticipate the news mm-hmm. <laughs> was, to, was sure. to sort of put my finger on what was, what's what was coming. trending. Yep. Yeah. What's coming. That was just something that was natural to me. And I knew in my heart of hearts that American cheese was a thing that yeah. it was going to become a thing. I could never have predicted that it would be what it is. Uh, I mean, nobody could have, but I did feel in my bones that, that it was yeah. something that was, that we needed to pay attention to. And American wine was really the, mm-hmm. the sort of guide because it, it, it just preceded cheese by about 20 or 30 years. Yeah. That's uh, interesting, you know. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, everybody looked at the French as the source of all good wine and, and later all good cheese. Yes. And, and then eventually American wine was taken seriously, and so too American cheese. Cheese. It's so great. It's not a derogatory term anymore, American cheese, right? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> well, crazy. you know, there are still some holdouts who believe that the imports are the best, and mm-hmm. uh, God bless them. Yep. Yeah, sure. you know, but, but, and that's partly because, frankly, we have greater access to good tasting imported cheese than we do great tasting American cheese except for regionally speaking. I mean, the, the, the greatest American cheeses certainly get around, sure. but there are some that are made in pockets and, you know, whether it's Nebraska or, or Alabama, or, you know, places where you wouldn't expect great cheese to be made. And frankly, you have to be in those places to taste them. You're not going to get them at you know, most cheese shops because they don't have, they're too small to distribute. Yeah, that's a really good point. You're, you can equate it to the little uh, hut in the Swiss Alps that's making some cheese. You've got to go to this little farm in Nebraska to perhaps taste this wonderful product because it can't get out from there. That's right. That's right. Or if it could, it would mm-hmm. just be too expensive. And, yeah. And I actually just tasted a cheese from England that, um, uh, was that I, I, I was sort of a special tasting, but then I found it at a local cheese shop in San Francisco and, you know, it's $51 a pound. <gasps> so it isn't your yeah. everyday cheese, <laughs> shall we say? Sure. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, so, so the small ones can be found even overseas, but, or from overseas, but my goodness, you're going to pay for it. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, how to, you must get that question a lot, too, because I know you educate and you tour and you talk about cheese really across the country, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the expense of making cheese and why is cheese so expensive? Yeah, you know, and it's not a question that I can I feel that I can answer all that well. I mean, I just know it to be true that American cheese mm-hmm. is very, very expensive to produce. And there are, there are many things along the, the, the cheese make chain that make that. So yeah. uh, it's the cost of labor. It's the cost of land. It's the cost of regulation. It's the cost of equipment. Mm-hmm. It's the cost of milk. It's all kinds of things. It's the cost of feeding. If you have your own animals of feeding sure. them, all of that is more expensive than it is uh, in Europe, at least right now. Yeah, and and there's another difference too, and that is that in Europe, the manufacturers, the cheese manufacturers, long ago knew that they couldn't get away with bulk, 
you know, sort of nondescript cheeses. So what they did was they figured out how to make really good tasting cheese and cheese that looks like cheese on a mass scale. Yeah. And our mass scale, you know, it's in blocks and it says cheese on it. And that's how we know that's what it is. And that's how most of us were raised. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, we weren't raised with wheels of cheese and, Mm-mm. you know, of brie and that kind of thing. Not really anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that, that makes a difference too, that the manufacturers in Europe can, can export cheese at a much lower cost and cheese that we're happy to eat, in, you know, at this side of the Atlantic. Absolutely. It brings back to what you said. We're so fortunate to have choices. We have great choices of things mm-hmm. from here, things from there, and, and, and kind of every price range from the $50 a pound variety to the to the 15. <laughs> yeah, or mm-hmm. even less. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. haven't you found, Laura, I, I'm, I, I find this too, in wine. It, you can't judge a cheese by its price. There are some inexpensive cheeses, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. that are as good as some of the really expensive ones. Would you agree? Oh, I would totally mm-hmm. agree. And, you know, I mean... Again, if they're, it depends where they're made. If you're finding, uh, if you're finding American, you know, specialty or artisan cheeses at a really low price point, I mean, it may very well be good. In fact, I can think of a couple of cheeses that fall into that category. I don't know that they're artisan so much, but they are. But the cheeses are, even though they're made on a larger scale, are darn good. And, yeah. and the cheese, I, one of the cheeses I have in mind is uh, is a cheese made by Sartori in Wisconsin called Bella Vitano. Mm. And Bella Vitano is a cheese that you can find honestly in the supermarkets and it's made in different with different coatings or different sort of rubs. So it might be uh, black pepper. It might be espresso. It might be Merlot. All of the ones that are Bella Botano are because the base cheese is so darn good. Yes. And it's a, it's, and it's a, it's a reasonably priced cheese. Yeah. Uh, you know, or the bee, you probably carry the beehive mm-hmm. uh, barely buzzed. Yep. I, I don't know where that falls on the price point these days, but it used to be a fairly affordable cheese and, yeah. Really delicious. A lot of bang for your buck. So yeah, there are a lot of cheeses out there for sure. It's really that great. Are affordable. Yeah. Yeah. Goes and back that, to mm-hmm, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just say and where you get bang for your buck that, that price doesn't necessarily indicate quality. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why it goes back to then you gotta go taste it. <laughs> and really well, just that see. That. <laughs> it really goes back. It all circles back to you gotta go taste it. Really good. Yeah. Really Which good. you know, I mean, I will say this, you don't always have that option. I mean, if you're at a place that does cut and wrap, then you do. But otherwise, if you're in a, you know, you're a a supermarket, uh, this is not to say that there aren't good cheeses that you can, you know, found in in the supermarket too, but you will not have the opportunity to taste them. And so, you know, I I encourage people to just spend a little money on on their education and whatever their budget is, you know, try to try to just live within that and taste, taste, taste. And then you can sort of graduate to the more expensive ones if your budget allows it. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, Tell us, Laura, I I wish you could see my copy because the first of your books that I ever had was The Cheese Essentials. Mm-hmm. I wish you could see this copy because it's so mangled now, which to me is a sign of good use. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to hear that. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not that your dog ate it, right? Nope, the dog didn't eat it. It's me splashing around because I made like the Frangelico figs. I like your mm. um your liqueur soaked fruit concept in a lot of these recipes. <laughs> I've, I've yes, tried lots yes. of those. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Port roasted grapes and things yes, like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, because see, I have found with fruit and cheese pairings that 
Fresh fruit is a great palate cleanser. You know, cheese and apples are the mm-hmm. best known. And apples are great palate cleansers because they're juicy and they're kind of tart and, mm-hmm. you know, and so, and you've got this rich cheese. But in terms of an actual pairing, like, gee, does this cheese go with that fruit? In general, I have found that sweeter fruits, mm-hmm. which tend to come in the form of dried or or, you know, soaked or whatever, you know, cooked in some ways, mm-hmm. transformed, uh, actually is where the pairings come in, uh, at, you know, where the cheese and the fruit taste so good together versus just a palate cleanser, which is also, which serves a very, very valid purpose. purpose yeah. It's just that I wouldn't say, you know, that Fiji apple goes with that particular cheddar. <laughs> yes. I mean, it might, but, uh, but it's not as ethereal as, as, as cooked fruit or dried yeah. fruit or whatever it might be. Well, those are really, to me, just, yeah, it takes it to another level. Then, mm-hmm. then you're, you're just your golden raisin, but your Chardonnay soaked raisin, um, another level. Are these all inspirations that came to you from meeting people or just when you've had just different cheese boards and then you've translated them into these great recipes you have in your books? Well, you know, so I wrote Cheese Essentials. It came out in 2007. So it's now, um, you know, an 11 year old book and, Back then, uh, cheese boards you could find them, but not like you can now. Mm-hmm. So really, they were just they were just food inspirations for me, like just the ways I like to eat and and cheese fit in. And so, but but with the Chardonnay, that particular one, the Chardonnay soaked golden raisins, that was um, that came about because I thought of all the components you find in Chardonnay, and mm. or and it might be, I mean, not obviously not every Chardonnay is alike, but where you're going to, you might find toasty uh, notes and from the oak. And so that's why there are toasts in that recipe, you know, butter, butter, mm-hmm. uh, butter, to- buttered toast, you mm-hmm. know, cause you find, you know, often uh, Chardonnay is described as buttery and the golden raisins are because that's it's golden grapes. That's what Chardonnay grapes are. And the brie, you've got the buttery cheese. It just all ah. seemed to it just was, it was deconstructing Chardonnay is really what that recipe came down to. So that was just my mind doing yeah. stupid, you know, stupid, crazy <laughs> things, but fun. So but fun things. That's a great way to look. Now I'm going to look at that completely different. That recipe. How super fun. <laughs> well, but, yeah. Well, and the what there is a big difference between that and Chardonnay. And that is uh, because you cook the Chardonnay down, it becomes very sweet and syrupy. Yeah. And unless you're talking late harvest Chardonnay, mm-hmm. you know, which is a sweet one. Already. Then, mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Well, that's where you part ways uh, with that recipe. But um, but that's what inspired it. Oh, that's so cool. That's awesome. Then you went on not just pairing, say, with the wine and cheeses and kind of like appetizers and such. But you also have a couple cookbooks, mac and cheese and grilled cheese. And who doesn't like both of those things? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that too. So so my I've written two books on grilled cheese. My mm-hmm. first one came out in 2004 called yeah. Great Grilled Cheese. And that was inspired. So I'd written two serious books at that point, uh, the Amer- New American Cheese and then the Cheese and Wine, Ameri- All American Cheese and Wine book. But then I thought, uh, one. well, so I was not, I had never written a recipe in my life until... Mm-hmm. I wrote my first book when the publisher said, we would like you to include recipes. And I said, hmm. okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I better learn to write them. Right. And, uh, so I did. And, um, and so that from then on, I just wanted to write it, write, write your include recipes in my yeah. books. And so the third book, the grilled cheese book was, uh, came about because the, uh, California Milk Advisory Board asked me to write five recipes for grilled cheese uh, nice. using California cheeses at the time. And mm-hmm. so 
I uh, was inspired by that project. And I thought, well, here are five, let's just do 45 more. And so that led to the grilled cheese book. And because it was so fun to create those. Yeah. So good. And you, you still tour around the country and and make those. That's how I saw you at events and you're sharing some ideas on how to amp it, kick it up a notch. Well, yeah. So uh, I, I do. It's kind of a high, highbrow, lowbrow uh, <laughs> sort of combo. But in yeah. fact, I'll be doing it again this year at Pebble Beach Food and Wine, which nice. is the first weekend in April. And that's going to be grilled cheese and wine pairing. And I'm going to be uh, my 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 teammate for that is a guy named Kent Tory, who has a cheese shop in Carmel. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so he and I are going to be doing um, grilled cheese and wine. And, uh, so they will be my grilled cheese sandwich recipes. But then what I do is I choose very special cheeses for those sandwiches. So everybody gets a cheese tasting plate. So those cheeses are the ones that will appear in the grilled cheese sandwiches Mm. and we do wine and cheese pairing. And then we do grilled cheese and wine pairing with the same wines and just to see how the cheeses change. Sure. So that's the highbrow, lowbrow. Yeah. Approach. How nice. Uh Yes. And, uh, yeah, so I do that class, uh, particularly in April, which is grilled cheese month, national grilled cheese month. So yes, very exciting. Uh, Lots of grilled cheese competitions out there and people can really get into it and could look at your book for inspirations because there's so many, I want to eat them all. It doesn't look like you eat any of them. You're very thin, (laughs) which is good but (laughs) for someone in cheese. (laughs) Yeah, no, I've I've learned I've learned the small bite method. Yes, very I mean, good. It, Grazing. It, trust me, if if anybody came to my house, they would. It, it's kind of comical. I was just <laughs> com, I was complaining, quote unquote, today earlier to to a fellow cheese person about the smell of my refrigerator at the moment. <laughs> <I'm> so sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know it's the it's truly good news, bad news, but not really much bad news. Yeah. But um, but I'm in the process of tasting bunches of cheeses and bunches of wines for. Uh, my, my, uh, I do the, the, what's it called? Food and wine classic in oh, Aspen nice. in oh, June. Nice. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in the process of tasting the wines that I want for that. I've, I've selected the cheeses. And so it's, it's kind of comical how many yeah. wines I have in my <gasps> fridge, let alone cheeses right now. That sounds like a good and, fridge. <laughs> uh, it is a good fridge. And, uh, but it's, I am, I am the land of small bites and small taste because yeah. I, and a lot of spitting of the wines because otherwise it would not be healthy. <laughs> and so that is to get back to your question. That yeah. is, I try to maintain my weight by, uh, by not eating entire grilled cheese sandwiches, but just eating <laughs> a little bites bite. of them okay. and, uh, and, and jogging. Good tip. Good tip. <laughs> one yeah. bite, one mile. One bite, another yeah, mile. <laughs> kind of. Really one, one mile for every maybe two or three bites. I'll sure, say, sure, yeah. sure. Okay. True confessions. Would have have you ever had a grilled cheese just with American slices? Yes. Yes. That was what. In, yes. Yeah. That is that mm-hmm. is what inspired me to. Well, not inspired me, but inspired my love of cheese. It yeah. was. It's. It is honestly my first food memory. Is, so great. Grilled cheese with American cheese and yeah. buttered slices of, yeah. of Wonder Bread. <laughs> Isn't that so good? Yeah. Well, you know, when you're four, you love it. And but I, I, I have long believed that whatever you eat that you liked as a as a child, mm-hmm. you will like forever, even if your t- tastes grow and get more sophisticated. I yeah. mean, to this day, if someone fed me an American cheese, you know, sandwich, as long as it was buttered, not margarine or something. <laughs> uh, I'd be a happy camper yeah. and that, that may uh, make people think less of me, but that's the truth. That's the truth. Yes. I'm, I'm with you. I love, love, love it. Um, you, Laura, are, are all, all about education. Lots of education. I know that you teach at the Cheese School of San Francisco often. Mm-hmm. And then and I, 
Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm teaching a Chardonnay and cheese oh, class. Speaking of. Uh, this evening, as a matter of fact. Oh, very yes. nice. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I also saw you're president of something called the American Cheese Education Foundation. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, the American Cheese Education Foundation is the nonprofit arm of the American Cheese Society, which is the umbrella organization for American cheesemakers, cheese enthusiasts, cheese you know retailers, cheese people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, But the foundation, as I said, is the nonprofit arm, and that funds education and education of all kinds. So if... Um, if someone wants to attend the American Cheese Society's annual conference, they can apply for a scholarship. And and uh, and likewise, we give we dole out uh, a retail scholarship, you know, to retailers. We also fund webinars for cheese education again for the people in the industry as well as people nice. that are not in the industry. Yeah, it's it's really and it's a growing foundation, which is nice because it's it, that will enable us to uh, support more educational efforts. And one does not have to be a member of the American Cheese Society to uh, benefit from it, which is kind of nice, too. Uh, if, if somebody wants to come to the conference, but they're not a member of the uh-huh. American Cheese Society, they can still apply. And very often that they get uh, the scholarship. So, oh, that's it's, nice. Uh, it, yeah. And, and it, you know, it's a means of, of spreading the good word about cheese and American cheese in particular. Sure. And, uh, and so it is, it's luckily the word is catching on and, uh, and, and that's what we want. We want to keep people, we want the organization as a whole to grow because we want people, you know, their enthusiasm toward cheese. Uh, we want to support that in whatever ways we can. Yeah. Oh, that is really super. So a person could go to the American Cheese Society site or does it have its own website, American? Well, both. Uh, They can go to the, uh, it's cheesesociety.org is the American Cheese Society site. And there is a a tab underneath that. Otherwise, you can go to uh, cheesefoundation.org. Oh, that's really super because, um, God, I remember back, you know, opening 14 years ago, really nobody had experience in cheese. That has changed, which is awesome because people have worked at other cheese shops or, you know, um, in restaurants that have cheese carts or things like that. Um, but we, what, what advice could you give to aspiring mongers or someone who kind of wants, you've made a career out of cheese, <laughs> you know, well, and yes. what advice might you give someone that really loves cheese? Um, how could they learn or, or, or what, what avenues might be there for them? Well, I mean, uh, certainly the American Cheese Society is a, is a good portal. I think it depends what they want to do. I mean, if you just want to, educate yourself just for its own sake, then it gets back to what you and I were talking about before. You want to taste, taste, taste. Mm -hmm. If you want to make a career out of it, uh, certainly working in stores like you is a great springboard because Mm -hmm. you learn about cheese in ways that you, you know, you never could otherwise. Uh, you, and you also learn about customer service, which is really, really important. Uh, and if you want to be a cheese maker, then I suggest people apprentice wherever Mm -hmm. they can. Their cheese makers are always looking for help. And so, (laughs) You know, and and uh, whether that be in a farmstead situation, meaning where the cheesemaker has their own animals and uses only their own animals' milk to make their cheese, or whether it's on a in a, on a larger scale, there are uh, apprenticeships, internships available throughout the country. Uh, if it's on the academic level, then you know certainly there are lots and lots of dairy programs in uh, in and around the country that are renowned actually for sure. their dairy focus. They make cheese within that certain, you know, University of Wisconsin does that, Clemson University, lot, um, uh, Washington State University. Yeah, nice. 
Yeah. So there are any number of ways. If you want to be a writer like me, uh, don't expect to pay the bills, but, um, (laughs) right. Uh, uh, it's, it's very tough to make a living as a cheese writer or Mm -hmm. blogger or whatever, but it is definitely doable. Also, you just with, with thank God for social media, because that certainly opens doors. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, once you start writing about cheese on a blog or whatever it might be, then you start to get noticed by, uh, companies that might want you as a spokesperson and that can lead to um, actual real money. <laughs> no, that's really great, Laura. Cause yeah, congratulations. Kudos to you. Yeah. For, you know, I, I call you the ambassador of cheese, I, or, unless you would rather be the goddess. I thought of that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no. I, I'll, I'll stick with ambassador. Ambassador's good. Okay. The expectations are too high. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> and too pretentious too, I might. Have. Okay. Sounds good. Ambassador, you <laughs> shall be, you shall be. Uh, that is really, yeah. no, that's, that's, those are great tips because, um, I don't know about you, but like anyone pursuing anyone in the cheese making business, I am bowing down right at the moment, if you could see, because that is hard work. It's very, very, very hard work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what is what's kind of cool, though, is that when I first started writing about American cheesemakers, most of them that that lived on farms had lived on farms and then made the decision to make cheese because they had the animals. Mm -hmm. And many of them, frankly, didn't know what cheese should taste like, what, you know, what sort of farms that cheese should taste like, because they hadn't gotten off the farm in order to to be able to taste because they work so hard. But, uh, but what has changed is that cheesemakers are, are, are getting into cheesemaking as a second career. So they come in with a certain sophistication Mm -hmm. that they didn't, that cheesemakers didn't always have here. And that is really improving the quality of cheese just markedly. And so that's kind of an exciting direction because they're going in eyes wide open, not only what cheese, what cheese should taste like, but also what it might cost to to make. But, but even still we are losing them along the way too. And so with that in mind, I, you know, I encourage people to find out who their local cheesemakers are and support them as best they can uh, to keep them going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's really great. Well, I want to thank you, Ms. Laura Worland. If anybody would like to learn more about Laura, there's a website, lauraworland.com. And um, really great always to chat with you. If you make it to, back to San Diego, please stop by and visit. Are you kidding? Try keeping me away. My goodness. <laughs> oh, that's sounds- Honestly, I just, you know, I, this is going to sound disingenuous because I'm talking to you right now, but it's really true. Benissimo is absolutely one of the best cheese shops in the country. And I have visited a lot oh, of cheese shops. I so appreciate I mean, it. it is great. Yeah. Thank you. We try. We just love it. I think like you, we just love it. Love cheese. Well, <laughs> San Diegans are very lucky to have to have you there. Well, they really are. Thank you yeah. so much, Laura. All the best in the next festivals. We look forward to your next writings. And in the meantime, I'm just going to go make some more deconstructed fruits, I think. I like this concept. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, you so that. much. Have a good day, everyone. And uh, take care. Ciao. Hi, fellow cheese lovers. Cheese Whiz Gina here. And I invite you to subscribe to our Noon on Tuesday podcast to hear all about cheese all the time. You can listen on iTunes or SoundCloud or subscribe via FeedBurner under Noon on Tuesday. You can also watch us live every week on Facebook at Benissimo Cheese at, you guessed it, noon every Tuesday Pacific time. We're fun, we're cheesy, so tune in and tell your friends to tune in too. Ciao.
The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.